1: Well, hello, raw feeders. I'm Didi Mercer Moffat, CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business, and we're friends like my friend, Dr. Judy Jasek. Well, we don't let friends feed kibble or what, Dr. Jasek,
0: or try to fix kibble because you can't fix poison.
1: Yeah, how do you do that? It, you know, how do we? How do I supplement my way out of eating crappy food every day? Can
0: I do that? Not. Not for my way of thinking. It's just like there's an old old saying that you can't pad out of a bad saddle fit. It's a horse thing, right? Your saddle doesn't fit your horse. Doesn't matter how many saddle pads you put on. It's still gonna give them saddle sores, right? So I kind of always remember that you can't you can't pad you can't supplement your way out of a bad diet. <laughs> put it that way.
1: I but but that is convenience, and people love convenience, and it makes them feel better. I, um, I don't know. I just don't get it. And maybe, maybe we need to present it that way. It's like, um, all right. If you're going to eat at Wendy's and Taco Bell and McDonald's and Chick-fil-A every day, right. And you're, you've got a variety there. There's Mm -hmm. a variety
0: Mm -hmm. of French fries. There's there's lots of different fast food places you could frequent,
1: right? That's variety. And, Mm -hmm. um, but i could take something fast food fixer fast food fixer do do you think people would yeah. really buy that concept oh
0: absolutely so that they felt a little less guilty <laughs> <Absolutely>. about <laughs> a, a, so so because it's about guilt so people would feel less guilty pulling into taco bell on their way home instead of stopping at the grocery store and actually going home and cooking dinner they just take get the taco bell take the little supplement and yeah. You know, bada bing, bada boom. Yeah. And I can see, you know, adding nutrition is one thing. But if you're taking a food like kibble, it's not just poor nutrition. It's it's toxic. It's got glyphosate. It's got euthanized animals in it. So it means we're giving a dose of pentabarbital. It's got a lot of, it's a it's a toxic soup, is what it is and you it doesn't matter what you take it isn't gonna it isn't gonna make up for that, so you're never getting past the the toxicity part it, no matter no matter what you take so restaurant grease
1: that's healthy,
0: oh yeah and, and you
1: know it's in so much of the kibble, right so these companies these manufacturers for big pet food they're looking for ingredients that are cheap 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 cheap. Mm-hmm. Right, because that food is cheaper, and they've got to make their margins. Now, granite—they're selling a granite. Uh, th- yeah, they're selling to a gazillion people because that is a huge part of the market. But how do you override restaurant grease, folks?
0: Yeah, but just
1: to- by putting a digestive enzyme in their body,
0: right? Yeah, you have to not feed it. That's, that's the only way that stuff is, I mean, so bad. Cause I think they use probably like corn oil or something, right? Just one of the vegetable oils. They're not even heat stable. And then, you know, they fry the food in it and put whatever else sugar and stuff on the French fries to make them taste better, you know?
1: So there's this concept, Dr. J.C., that you meet people where they are. So this is what's happening right now. With this kibble fixer, and um, Dr. Andy was saying that that's not the only one out there, that there have been other ones out there. This one just has you know that you know kibble fixer, that name. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of people in the pet health industry that will say, Well, we want to meet people where they are. If the dog is going to eat kibble, well, we want them to have better kibble. Mm-hmm. By doing this kibble fixer. And I just, I i haven't fed kibble in almost 25 years. I wouldn't, right? That's why I've been, you know, freeze drying my own food. With the harvest right, you know, freeze dryers. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And I had my I first had... batch. I had my first batch in there. By the how,
1: way, how how did it turn out? Did well, it? It did... hasn't.
0: It has. It's still. It's still doing its thing. I put it in yesterday, so it's still it's drying now. Okay. So I'm excited to see how it turns out.
1: Yeah, and did you get the bags that you seal up with it? The... Uh-huh. Okay. So if you have any issues, call Rick because he has perfected this, um, and we've got some some kind of tricks that you can do. But. Um, I have something that, you know, like a scooper and, and you actually be able to break that food apart and then put it in the bags, but you can break it up and you'll get more in your bag as well. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you and Chris would get all this figured out. Um, but the key is to make sure that it's really dry. Okay. Mm -hmm. And two, put the little things in there that absorb
0: the moisture absorber. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and and it's awesome. And then, you know, we've tested it. We've taken, you know, bags out that we've done a year ago and we've tested it and made sure it's all good and it's all good.
0: Cool. So do you just, do you reconstitute it then? You just add water when you feed it?
1: You do. And I don't know if it's like, I haven't really figured out the exact amount of water because in my book, water's always good. You know, some (laughs) pet parents are like, well, it's. You know, I don't like, my dog doesn't like soupy food. Uh, My dogs do. But if you want it to just be really stiff, then you got to figure out, you know, what is that? Is that one to, you know, one cup or what? I don't know. I I really don't know what that number is.
0: I think I could put pine cones in Max's dish and he eat it (laughs) with or without water (laughs) because he eats them all the time. (laughs) Right. So right. Not eating, but not being, But I thought, you know, just in the interest of being a little prepared, I'm like, okay, I'm ordering all this raw food. But then if the power goes out, you know, and you gotta, you know, it'll last for a while. We do have some solar capacity to keep things running. But it would also be good to have a back, and we are backup. We already had the freeze dryer, so I thought I I need to start doing this. So yeah. I, it's very cool. Mm-hmm. But
1: he, here's the next thing you gotta you've gotta figure out. Um, where do you put all those bags of freeze dried food? right? So then I had to buy giant uh trash containers, and uh, those are oh, not oh. cheap I, I just will tell you right now they're not cheap because you want to make sure that you have a lid or tape that lid
0: mm-hmm. so that
1: the little critters can't get in and uh, little rodents and stuff right,
0: yep, yep no that's and a I, that's a good idea, yep,
1: yeah but i quickly found out that i needed multiple trash cans and the largest ones right because I, I we've been doing it for a while so that adds up too just want to let you know i looked at a trash can it was 80 dollars i was like for a trash can
0: yeah yeah Every, everything's everything's gotten astronomical I it's tony like we you know we're starting to do stuff here on the homestead right you know we want to go split wood well we're you know 60 years old I we don't really want to be out there wheeling the, the ax, you know, and, <laughs> and you get hurt at this age, you don't, you know, we're in pretty good shape, but you, recovery is you are slower. You're that's in what, great shape. That's what, that's what, you know, we've learned if you do get hurt, it takes a lot longer for things to heal. And so we invested in a log splitter and a trailer, but like everything's it's a couple of thousand here, a couple of thousand there, a couple, you know, but it's like, but we have all this capacity to do all this stuff and we want to, you know, take advantage of it. So it's just like the dot food. If, you know, you, you got to store it, you don't want to go through all that work and then, you know, have the mice eat it. I suppose you could do
1: boxes, um, but they would have to be really well taped, right? I'm mm-hmm. always amazed how critters can get through the tiniest little crack.
0: Oh, yeah. I think they chew through a box too. I think they yeah. would chew through they would, they would chew through cardboard.
1: Right. But that is, you know, and that, that is a great, the, the freeze drying process. And what I loved about it is that I could do my own food, right. Mm -hmm. And I know what's in it because I've, I've looked out there at at a lot of the reconstituted foods. My gosh, why do we need a gazillion ingredients in there? I don't get it.
0: No, the, the, the like commercial, um, freeze dried foods that I I ended up buying was I would just get like single ingredients and just get some veggies, some meats. Cause I'm like, well, we can put the stuff together. Cause if yeah. you buy the prepared meals, it's yeah, it's garbage. Just like getting a TV dinner or something out of the, you know, the grocery store freezer. They're not, you know, not good. And like you said, they got a tons and tons of different, you know, needless ingredients in there. So yeah, I just feel better, you know, get, you know, doing using our own stuff and, um, we, you know, we had the freeze dryer. So I was like, we got to get, start using this thing. They're not cheap either, as you no. know, <laughs> the right. freeze dryers. They're in it? they are in an in investment, but, um, but if you want a dehydrated food for your, you know, for your pets as a backup, that's super expensive to buy it commercially. The, right. the good ones, the good ones, the ones without a bunch of garbage in them.
1: Hey, I want to ask you some questions from, um, that we get. Uh, some are our listeners. Um, we actually got a new customer yesterday. We get a lot of a lot of customers that listen to the podcast. But um, Lorraine, who's out in New York, uh, listens to the podcast and ordered from us yesterday. So thank you, Lorraine. Um, I want to run this question by you, Doctor Jason, and see what you think. All right. So this is from a customer that said that they. Um, they have run out of their whatever food they' they're feeding, and they have chatted uh, with some friends and they want to switch over to our raw. But they have this question. Um, their pet has quite a food, quite a few food allergies according to his extensive test. and one being beef, Um, although beef hearts are okay on the list. He even had turkey okay, but then turkey gizzard's not okay among two other dozen things she said. My question is, how accurate should I take this allergy test? He still has yeast in his ears and we've tried to keep him off the food. That's not on the list. Um, But they wanted to know what a good option is. They were looking for quail and venison because that's not on the list. Um, but again, this is an allergy test. So what would you say to those folks who have and and I don't know what the previous food was, okay mm-hmm. um but what would you say to these folks? we've talked about this before that try to adhere to these allergy tests?
0: Well, first thing, I'm kind of smiling to myself here because it sounds like, and I've heard this. Many, many times. Matter of fact, most people that come to they come to me because they've had these allergy tests on and they're following what they recommend. Well, it's not working. That's why they end up they coming to me. Like, we got to try something else. Like I'm doing all the stuff, and I don't even know what to feed my pet. I'm down to like kangaroo and alligator because <laughs> everything else on the list they're allergic to. And it's like, well, how is that working? And usually, well, it's not. And so the first thing I ask is, well, what were you feeding when you did the test? Because there's any kind of processed food, really anything that was even carb heavy, even a fresher food diet, like a lot of the the lightly cooked uh, commercial foods out there, very high in starch, you know, rice, potato, and if you're feeding any like high starch food, that's inflammatory. And it's those ingredients, that's what's feeding the yeast, because all that stuff breaks down into sugar in the body. And so I tell people, don't worry about the meat proteins Necessarily eliminate all these inflammatory carbohydrates, synthetic nutrients, get down to this basic diet. And to me, it's ridiculous to pay all this money for allergy testing because if you're feeding a raw diet and you feed beef and you feed turkey and you feed pork and you feed lamb, how did my dog do on beef? How did my dog do on turkey? You know, you're going to know. I mean, it's going to be like blatantly obvious. If there's a protein that doesn't agree with them as much, well, then don't feed that one. But just look at your pet and you're gonna know. Because I just don't find that these allergy tests are are accurate. So I tell people, watch the pet. Start with, you know, I find turkey to be pretty, pretty tolerable by most dogs, you know, maybe start there. I think grass-fed beef is usually and, and at least with the beef, like you can get grass-fed beef with the poultry. There's always there's this little variable about what's the poultry eating you know you don't know if they're feeding them commercial feed that's got some soy in it then you know that that could be a potential you know sensitivity too but i think that it's the meat proteins that always get blamed for the inflammation and that's not the cause of the inflammation it, you have to get rid of all the other garbage but the allergy tests tend to tend to harp on the meat proteins now some tests for environmental allergies But then what are you going to do? Like stop your pet from going outside. Like if they're allergic to pollen, like you may need to, you know, do some things to manage during that time of year, but changing the food isn't going to, I mean, you want them on a diet that's not inflammatory, but you know, you're just going to have to manage those seasonal flare-ups. But I think it's also true. If you get rid of these inflammatory ingredients, you're not going to have as big of a seasonal flare-up either because their bodies are going to be healthier. and. I've also found that once we get rid of all that inflammatory crap that that's being fed, they end up tolerating more proteins over time. Like you might find, you know, like feed certain protein, they get diarrhea or something. Well, their gut's inflamed and leaky. And so I always tell people, don't throw it away. Just, you know, hang on to it, feed what is agreeing with your pet and then try reintroducing those other proteins. And usually the digestion gets stronger because it, it takes time if it's super inflamed, it takes time for it to heal. It's not just you change the food and all the symptoms just magically go away. Sometimes that happens. We love those cases, but you know, fortunately, that's not always the case. Yeah,
1: I think that's it's a it's a tough concept for pet parents. That okay, when you have fed a non appropriate diet, okay, whether that is high sugar cooked or whether it is the kibble um, they don't understand that that stuff has to come out of the body. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and, and it, and then we reach for that thing. We'll stop it. Stop, stop coughing, stop pooping, stop sneezing, stop whatever you're doing. I want you to stop because it makes me uncomfortable as a pet parent. And, and we look at that and say, you know, I need to help my pet. That's, that's all pet parents are doing. They're trying to help their pet. The problem is, is that they're not helping the situation. They won't let it come out. It's got to come out and it freaks people out in the beginning. They're like, oh no, my dog cannot eat raw. And it's like, if we could, if we could help shift that mindset that says bad stuff, Got to come out of the body. How do you think it comes out? Got to come out some way. Got to, got to celebrate those loose poops and the snotty noses. <laughs> my dog is a healing. Well, that's like, you know, when my neighbors come over and they're Ollie. like, oh, I'm sick. I'm sick. You're detoxing. What's the matter hey. with you? Are you really sick? How else is, is your body going to, well, I have a fever. Well, it needs to
0: like liquefy the stuff
1: to mm. get it out.
0: You know, the only time, I mean, honestly, since COVID started, that I ever had any like significant symptoms. I mean, you know, I have days where you feel a little off or whatever, but the only time I had any significant symptoms was I had to go into the dentist and I ended up needing a, a wisdom tooth removed. And, you know, and there's this, they're coming out with this now, and it's freaked me out a little bit that this, nanobot technology, this is some of the stuff in the vaccines is in local anesthetics that they use at the dentist. And I, you know, cause there was, there was pain, of course, you know, your little sore had the tooth out is a pretty simple extraction, but I felt sick. I felt feverish. I I had kind of the chills. I'm like, I feel like what I would say I was sick, you know, and I know I was detoxing from that anesthetic. I mean, I, I completely, knew it, I had a little headache. And it took me a good 10 days or something to get to get past that. But I recognized it as, you know, this is this is toxic. No, I didn't catch a cold at the dentist, you know, <laughs> like what a lot of people would say, oh, you just caught a little cold. I'm like, no, I was, I was detoxing because the wisdom tooth they have to use a lot. And it's like, you know, it's it's way up here, like close to your ear and to your brain and all that stuff. And um but I like now knowing, having this different mindset, I'm like, oh, I'm detoxing, getting all that, all that crap out of there. So you just have to, you know, write out the, ride out the process.
1: Right. And so now it's always, what did I just do? What was I subjected to? Where have I been that might've had um, toxicity in the food or in the water, mm-hmm. or are they spraying in this area or what's going on? That is the way that I, I've started looking mm-hmm. at it, right? You know,
0: you, you know I love um, Dr. Merritt, it, it, you know, tells this little scenario all the time. She says, you know, people think they get sick when they're traveling because she's getting away from the germ theory too. She says, You know, people always think they get sick when they travel on the airplane. She's like, well, so it's re- what really happens. So you're getting ready to go somewhere. So say you're going to a meeting or something or a conference and, and you stay up late the night before because you're packing and then you got to catch your early flights. So you're already behind on your sleep. And then you sit in this airplane that's been sprayed with all these chemicals to disinfect it. And you're rebreathing all those, all those chemicals. And then you go and you you're hanging out with your buddies that you haven't seen in 10 years. And and you're staying up late at night partying and you get even even less sleep. And then you come home and you don't feel well and you blame it on the guy that coughed next to you on the airplane, you know, and you, you sit in the airplane on the way home with all the toxic soup again And then you're like, oh, well, no, no, your body's detoxing. You're eating out. You don't know what you're eating. You may be drinking a little more, you know, all of that stuff. It's, it's all detoxification.
1: Yeah. And it's, and it's hard for me to explain that to pet parents. And here's, here's an example. So Barry, Barry's out in Florida. Okay. And Barry uh, has a puppy. Again, I'm not certain what Barry was feeding prior to, raw ordered the puppy box and i got this in the chat yesterday barry says my dog is vomiting from eating the beef with tripe and has also had diarrhea from all of the other blends in the puppy box uh it's been a tough week and i'm considering throwing in the towel and going back to kibble Hmm. okay well i i don't i something is out of whack with that dr J C, because Typically in that puppy box, you're going to have rabbit and duck. That could be an issue for some. It's a higher level of bone. Um, Also, the beginner's choice is in their higher level of bone. And then what we try to do in the puppy box is give variety, but also give higher and lower bone in that puppy box. But um, I, I, I haven't been able to speak with Barry. I would like to talk to Barry because Barry... I don't uh think that that going back to kibble is going to be in your dog's best interest. I do think that he's frustrated, but i I've got to say this is not normal.
0: This is not normal.: yeah, especially in a puppy, because puppies usually transition really well. most most puppies, you can just do cold turkey and they sit and they transition really well. So there's more to the picture, and it's not likely bone content. I mean, I would be well you know, when, when, has the puppy had vaccines? Cause vaccines can definitely cause inflammation anywhere in the body, including the gut. Um, has the puppy been checked for parasites? You know, parasites are actually pretty common in puppies. And I think we need to check poop samples on puppies and make sure that, you know, they, that they don't have, that they don't have parasites because their immune systems are still developing And the parasites will take advantage of that. And especially if puppies have had really early vaccines, some puppies are vaccinated at five, six weeks. And I think that really disrupts immune system function and probably makes them more susceptible to parasites. Now, a lot of puppies get, get dewormed, you know, uh, pretty routinely, uh, you know, along with the wellness care breeders tend to deworm puppies, but, you know, getting a poop sample check just to make sure that's not an issue, but there's something else that's setting that off in the, in the puppy, I'm sure.
1: Right. Because, you know, I want to say, look, and, and I just redid the raw feeding cheat sheet on our website. And one of the things that I added in the raw feeding cheat sheet, which in my opinion is a really great sheet, covers a lot of stuff. Um, but I say, if your dog cannot eat raw then we need to look at what the problem is with your dog. Yeah, exactly. It's not the food, it's the dog. Because if a creature is created to eat raw and you cannot use the excuse that they have evolved, what does that mean? They're domesticated. That means we have them now in our homes. They don't run around free in the world, but they have not changed in their structure. I don't know, Doctor Jasic. Over all these years, have you recently seen any molars in a dog? Have you recently seen that the dog structure, the digestion has it changed? Has it evolved to be different to
0: be able to eat crap? No, as far as I as far as I can tell, dog dogs still have dog teeth, not not horse teeth or cow teeth. You know, like herbivores that that grind. I, I would say that has um, stayed pretty much the same. Yeah. yeah.
1: And speaking of crap, you know, I was telling you that uh you're going to be on with Dr. Billinghurst and mm-hmm. uh we had him on. We, 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 uh we heard that you were going to be on there. So we reached out to him and, and we got him before you're on. So we, we kind of stole your, oh. your oh. thing. <laughs> <We> said, <laughs> no, you did It's all good. Well, <laughs> neely's been in his master class She was like oh let's just reach out because we thought you know he would never yeah. get back to us he was like yeah sure i can come on like tomorrow and we were like what okay let's do this yeah, but cool. he was even talking about poop he's an advocate of dogs eating poop he's like look he, he tells this story about this the um i think it was Colts. maybe it was like or I can't remember now. I have to go back and listen to it. He's talking about how this the, this farmer was very fastidious, and so every time there was poop, he would clean it up, right? And the the problem was um, there was no poop to eat, so there were no extra minerals and stuff like that. When he stopped doing that, the animals got better.
0: Mm, and interesting,
1: yeah. And I reminded him in his book that he wrote in 1993. Um, which is uh, give a dog a bone. That he had said in that book that the Australian this sheep had the best probiotics in their poop. So anyway, mm-hmm. I was just throwing that out there. That he yeah. he he's like, yeah, I've, I've
0: I've heard that. I've actually heard of people um in, like in other parts of the world eating camel poop, like it's supposed to have like great probiotics, like that have diarrhea like really bad. And, um, not the camel, but the people have diarrhea and then they eat the camel poop and it's, that's, it's a natural probiotic. But if you think about it, it's gross, but if you think about it, it kind of makes sense. Like, well, that's a natural source of, of bacteria there. It's coming right. It's like a fecal transplant. No, just hopefully you don't grow a hump after doing that.
1: (laughs) Or start spitting on people. (laughs) 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 But the, um, it would need to be in a capsule for me, Doctor J.C. If it was on a plate being served up, probably can't do it. But put it in a capsule, I could, I could swallow yeah. it.
0: Yeah, like, I, I, I'd do it. I mean, you know, fundamentally, it's it isn't gonna it isn't gonna hurt you. I and mean, there's people, you know, that promote urotherapy, which is drinking your own pee. So, right, right. Mm.
1: Yeah. Don't tell me. <laughs> not, <laughs> not Go in there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's, that's
1: a little, that's a little much, but you know. yeah, it is. Hey, uh, another question that we've had this week is people seem to think that you need to manage calories, right? So I, th- I don't know where this is coming from. Several people this week have said, I think it's going to be really difficult on the raw diet to manage my dog's. Um, weight and calories. I've got one dog that's super active, and I've got one dog that isn't. Now that concept doesn't doesn't uh, make sense to me. Uh, but I would like to ask you that question. What would you say to somebody that said, "I think it's going to be really hard to manage my
0: dog's weight on the raw diet"? So how would you manage the weight on the raw diet? Well, I don't do you know. We and we've talked about this but I don't do the calorie thing because I, I mean I guess I have found like. And part of that is my own personal experience for myself. I used to be a calorie counter. I was watching my weight and man, I mean, I wouldn't eat. I mean, I've gone through part times in my life where like I wouldn't eat a calorie over. I mean, I, I check the calorie content on, on everything, but I had more problems maintaining my weight and I didn't feel as good, didn't feel have as good energy. But when I changed what I was eating and I went more basically ketogenic, Mm -hmm. um, got rid of all the carbs, increased the fat. um, And I concentrated more on what I was eating, not counting calories. I don't ever count calories anymore. It's just certain things I eat. And then once I got on this healthier diet, my body kind of tells me and I eat sugar. I feel like crap. So I don't even really crave it every now and then, but then I eat it and then I feel like crap. i like, Oh yeah, that's why I don't eat that anymore. Um, but for dogs, I, I, I go more by the percentage of body weight as, as a guideline, you know, I, I look at like the, the 2% of, of the body weight and that's, you know, kind of, kind of low end probably for most dogs, you know, depending on activity and, and uh, that's about a pound of food for fifty pounds of body weight, and I kind of figure out from there, and then growing puppy, I would automatically at least double that sometimes you know it just depends yeah you know, but we've got to, you gotta watch watch the pet and what the what the pet needs and so you know a puppy obviously gonna need more a very active dog is going to need more, but like to address this question, well. You gotta feed them what you need to feed them, like not knowing how to manage it. I mean, like what's I don't understand what the problem is. Like they gotta feed two different amounts. Is that the 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 like what's the what's the challenge? Cause to me it's like, well, you you know, start with some basic parameters and see how your pet does. And if you need to increase, feed one more or you know, add in a little extra fat. You know, I'm a big proponent of adding in a little extra fat, gives them a little more energy, a little more calories. And then the other one eats less. You know, you, you have to look at the individual. It, it just seems like people uh, just make things way more, way more complicated because all this calorie, like if you had to calculate, cal- like, good Lord, it, it would take so much time. I like to keep things simple. You know, how, how's Max looking? Let's see. I can feel his ribs, not skin and bone. Okay. Guess we're good. <laughs> right. <laughs> didn't have the same amount, like, you know. I, That's, you know, I just don't think it has to be that complicated or that down to the, you know, number. Lazzie was looking a little thin,
1: right? And typically she was eating about 12 ounces twice a day. So we bumped her up to 14. Then she looked a little fat. We were like, whoa, you're getting a little chunky girl. We can't have that. You know, we got to represent. And right. uh, <laughs> so we cut her back again. So, it's just this moving back and forth in ounces. And I'm saying, you know, but think about this. If you're feeding twice a day, 12 ounces, and then you say, my dog's too skinny, so I'm going to bump her up to 14. Now you've just bumped up four ounces a day. That's a lot of food. Now, when you put it on a plate, it doesn't look like a whole lot of food, but it's very dense.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: all of a sudden, now she's getting a little heavy. So, maybe you do, 14 and 12, but it's just ounces. So we just bumped it right back down to 12. It's going to vary times of the year. It's Mm going to vary what blends. So just have fun with it. I'm not sure if people think, well, I need to make sure that they're getting enough nutrition, right? And maybe that's the issue. I need to make sure they're getting enough nutrition. What we can tell you is that your dog is not getting any nutrition on kibble. And if they're eating cooked diets, quite possibly, and uh, they're getting way too much sugar still. So they may be heavy, but they may be heavy for the wrong reasons, right? And, um, but when you're feeding meat, bones, organ, and fat, okay, some trite may be in there. There may be a double protein. There may be 7% fruits and veggies. Big deal. It's still mostly protein, multivitamin and bone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Do a variety. Now I yeah. can screen variety until I'm green in the face, Dr. Jacek. Um and uh, people will still feed the exact same thing for years and years and years. Do I think that that's the best way? I don't. And I would say if if you're set on that, you got to throw in some phytoplankton.
0: Yeah. Gotta do, you got to do Yeah. gotta do something. I hear that. I hear that a lot from people too. Like they get on one protein, dog's doing well, and they're like afraid to to uh to try something new. And so I go through this, you know, this is more nutritionally complete, and this is how we balance a diet like this, because we're not just throwing a bunch of synthetic nutrients in there, which aren't doing any good anyway. Um, so I'll tell people but try just a little bit, you know. Um, just, you don't have to go to a whole meal of a new protein, but just, you know, add in a little bit. And then with the hope that, well, nothing bad happens. So then they'll try a little more and then maybe, you know, try, try a meal, but, you know, dogs are natural scavengers. And, you know, it goes back to, like you were saying before about the raw dog, cannot transition to raw. Something's going on with the dog. If a dog cannot just handle all these different proteins. I mean, I, you know, I I thought stuff and. Max gets whatever's thought out. I might throw in some tripe and started throwing in some sardine. And it's just like, whatever I kind of, you know, feel like, I mean, I have basic parameters. I add in a little extra organ and, you know, he gets different stuff every meal, you know, in addition to the mice and the toads and the everything else that he Bats. that he finds. Outside. Bats. I mean, <laughs> you know, talk about like a dog that literally eats, eats anything, you know, he gets all, he gets all kinds of stuff, but yeah, I mean, it just, I think it can be to me, it's like, it's very freeing to feed this way and you not have to be on this regiment of this many calories or, you know, these exact proportions. But I think a lot of people are just more comfortable with having those exact guidelines. To me, this is easy. You know, you just, okay, what do I got in the fridge thought out? Throw a bunch of stuff and i do weigh it because I, i'm not good at I, i'm i'm still programmed to eyeball for chihuahuas after mid shepherd so like i have no idea how much food is actually in the bowl so i do weigh it but you know i just do a combination and to me it's like it's it's kind of easy kind of fun feel, i feel like i'm feeding him just what he's what he's meant to eat he loves to eat anything so um i, I but I, I like this idea. I mean, I give people guidelines and want them to run with it, but a lot of people just aren't comfortable with that. They wanna they want somebody to hold their hand and tell them exactly what to do and make them let them know everything's gonna be okay. <laughs> it's gonna be okay, just feed them raw. But I did speak with somebody
1: yesterday and um she said one of the questions that she had was, you know. I'm not sure that I'm feeding my dog enough food. And I said, well, okay. Um, I said, your dog should be eating half of a roll a day. She said, half of this five pound roll? I said, well, that's a two pound roll, okay, that you have. So it looked big to her, but she, I said, that's a two pound roll. She said, oh my, I've only been giving him 2 inches of the roll a day. Oh jeez. <laughs> and I was like, well, he may be hungry. He may be a little thin, <laughs> maybe yeah. a little thin. Um but so we do want to make sure that we are at least somewhere in the feeding chart guidelines, right? So yeah. the, the for Asta, a you know, a 15-year-old German shepherd that doesn't do much, um I'm not that feeding chart would be too much for her. So again, we have to look at the body. But you guys make sure one of the biggest things that we go back to and one of the questions that we always ask when a dog is either not eating the food or starving either way, we're like, where are we in in, Uh via the chart, right? Because if I have a dog that like it's got these ribs and hip bones are showing and they're eating 3% of their body fat, well, then we know we probably got another issue going on. Mm-hmm. right something's going on mm-hmm. um or vice versa and um so that's what those feeding charts are all about but yeah i was like well my goodness he's yeah, getting that,
0: that would that, explain it <laughs> that
1: dog was not getting enough food all right so here's another question that we have dr Jason. now this is going to be dogs with cancer dogs with cancer um a lot of times are are going to their appetite's going to be messed up right because they may be on different medication different different herbs um and so uh, this particular customer was saying um that this dog is refusing breakfast okay doesn't want to eat until around 10 30 a.m um this dog does have Addison's disease okay um this particular pet will consume treats at any time. Um, and then he says, um, let's see, they've, they've moved her meals to 1 or 2 p.m. Um, before she eats. Dinner is always consistent. But now the routine is the same for dinner. About half the time, she doesn't want to eat. They're having to hand feed Um, they're adding some warm rotisserie chicken, adding in treats. Uh, That briefly works and then it stops being effective. Um, He does say that she's got great energy, loves her treats, maintaining her weight, but getting harder and harder to get her the raw. And he said, look, I don't want to go back to kibble, um, but I would like for her to start loving her food again. So what's you know, what's the suggestion to get her to, to start eating the raw? What would you say?
0: Well, I'd, I'd ask some questions as you know, I like to ask questions. First of all, are you putting, you know, I, um, I, this is a mutual client. So I know that they have some herbs and things. Are you putting herbs and supplements in the food? Cause sometimes dogs get just get sick of the, the additions and you, then I recommend either you have a, a special thing that, you know, they love, um, especially if it's real, like say a dog just loves trite. Well, you just make these little mini meals of trite and you put the stuff in there and you let them eat that and then leave the rest of their meal alone. Or you can put them in capsules. It's a little bit labor intensive, but you can, any powders you can put in capsules or I know products that we recommend, oftentimes you can get in capsules. So then you could hide those in treats. So make sure there's not extra stuff in um, in the food. I, and I ask about the weight because when people say, well, my dog's not eating, if they're the same or heavier, I've had people come to me, say their dog's not eating, but they've gained weight. I'm like, they're surely eating something. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> so let's talk about treats and how many treats. Cause I think it's an, it's very, it seems very um, satisfying as people, as humans to watch our pets eat. And we really want our pets to enjoy eating. Well, a lot of times pets will eat treats. And maybe they're getting too many treats. So if they're maintaining their weight, then I would say, well, let's back off on the treats, cut the treats in half, just give a little piece, let them get good and hungry uh, for their meal. Uh, Because, you know, pets know how to work the the system. And if they're getting offered a treat every couple hours because they didn't eat their meal and they really like those treats, well, they might just be holding out for the the treats, you know, um, so I would make sure that all of that is, is in place for starters and feeding them the time of day where they like to eat a lot of dogs, especially as dogs get older, don't like to eat in the morning. So don't feed them in the morning, you know, move them later or feed them just once a day, you know, dogs that don't have high metabolic demands, maybe they would do better just eating once a day. And that allows the gut some time to kind of rest, uh, in between, I'd review medications. Um, Addison's dogs are typically on prednisone. Prednisone can be irritating to the gut. So maybe we need to add in some things that are um, like marshmallow root or something that's um, coating the stomach so that the medications are not as as irritating. Um, and then if we got all that kind of <clears throat> sorted out, warming the food, as we've yeah. talked about. Um, I I a lot of people I talk to, you know, aren't aren't warming the food. And that can make a big difference, it can make it sit a lot better on their stomach, um, put some hot water or some bone broth on the food. And there's just some cancer patients that just that don't eat well, it is truly the appetite. So we've done all these things, addressed all these things. And they just sometimes they want to eat, and sometimes they don't. So then we need to keep it interesting, lots and lots of variety. So cancer patients will have days they feel good and days they feel not so good and if they whatever they eat on the days they don't feel good sometimes they associate with that with the food because i see this a lot like they'll offer something new and they'll eat it great for a couple of days and then they'll never touch it again so you have to keep changing it up to keep offering um new variety if there's something high value that they really like then you know you can add that in as a um like a, a smell enhancer i mean i think the dogs are really drawn to a certain odor, so if they like fish or something, you know, then make sure there's a little of something that smells like fish in there to kind of entice them but but variety is really, really um important. Don't feed something until they stop eating it because a lot of times they won't eat it again, you know, change it up before they stop eating it, then you've got several things that that you can offer,
1: yeah, and you know the way that I warm up food, because I do, I warm it up for both my Germans, is I have a tea kettle, right? I have my structured water that I pour in the tea kettle. So it's good water. It's not filled very high. And then I turn it on the gas stove while I am measuring out the food. It only takes a few minutes for that water to really heat up. Then I take the the tea kettle and I pour it over the food. Okay, and then I smash the food down and I mix it in with that warm water. And then I take my fingers and I feel it. Some people are like, oh, that's gross. But I do. I want to make sure that there's no hot water before I put it down for my, you know, dogs to eat. Very seldom is there going to be very hot because that food is cold. And so Mm -hmm. even with that hot water coming on it, right, Uh, (laughs) hot water getting on it, uh, then... (laughs) 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 okay uh (laughs) then i uh i just anyway (laughs) it just takes the chill off okay it takes the chill off the food yeah uh and there's nothing i mean nothing but good stuff about water anyway so uh Okay, let's see, where do we go from here? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can't say, a little add on there. Um, with feeding Max, who eats a lot of food, I I, I check, it. I usually feel like the bottom of the bowl to make sure it's not warm. But um, when I had my little chihuahuas, where you're literally putting like an ounce of food in the bowl, I could very easily, a couple of times I'd put it down, they'd jump back like, what the heck? <laughs> I'm like, oops, a little too warm. So um, <laughs> right, so temperature is a good idea.
1: <laughs> yeah, but that's the way I do it. And it really, guys, it doesn't take that long. It just doesn't. I mean, how long does it take you to feed Max? Seriously, from the time that you walk in the kitchen, all right, to pulling out the bowl. To me- I mean, how long till he's you've you've started and finished?
0: A couple, two two minutes, maybe at the most. I mean, maybe 60. So I don't know, because I have the stuff in the fridge. I just take it out put in the bowl. I do the same thing. We have a, an electric hot water heater, stainless steel thing that you just plug in. And so I put the water in there and, and get that heating and I get the scale out, put the stuff in the bowl, pour the water on. I mean, maybe two minutes, like at the most, and then another 30 seconds to wash the bowl when he's done, you know, he's pretty, that bowl doesn't even look dirty when he's done though. He licks it clean. <laughs> right. Every I last little speck.
1: Lossie holds her bowl with her foot and she's like, and then she has this, she knows that she's not supposed to go towards Asta's bowl, right? But she's mm-hmm. like sitting, waiting. And and when Asta takes one step back, she's like, I'm in. And <laughs> uh, she licks Asta's bowl. But here's what I do. I have a, I have a squirt bottle of hydrogen peroxide. Uh huh. So what I do is every time that they stop you know that they're done i take the bowl and i rinse it out with hot water and then i squirt it uh really Mm. with hydrogen peroxide let it sit you know and then i'll rinse that out so i do that idea yeah it's super easy and i use it on my counters as well um so wherever i you know uh prepared the food i just squirt it down with hydrogen peroxide
0: yeah it's
1: super easy
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's not hard. It's not hard. Now when people say they want to put their own meals together, I say, you know, that's a lot of work. You got to shop for all the stuff and then you got to figure out what proportions. And I, I think that's a tremendous amount of work and it's, it doesn't save you money. There's just no way you can go and source really good quality ingredients for less than what you guys charge for your food. I, there's just no way. And then where are you going to find spleen and lung and probably kidney like where are you going to source all this variety of organs like you you just can't do it so i i really discourage people from trying to do this uh, on their own because i i also see a lot of mistakes made where you know pets are not getting good nutrition because it can't just be hamburger and, and a few veggies and you know Call it good because it's hard to source these other animal products like the bone and the organ. So I I don't ever recommend that. But yeah, this doesn't this doesn't take a lot of time. It's super simple. You know,
1: obviously because we're packing food right for customers, uh, and we do that over and over and over again. And and my team, and especially Brian, will say, you know, they get to know the what customers are feeding.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And it just, I was in the warehouse yesterday and Brian said, I just don't understand what is going on with when people order the coarse ground beef, okay, the coarse ground beef with bone has no organs in it. He's like, I never see them add organs to their, to their blends. He Mm -hmm. said, however, I see a lot of people adding organs to the PMRs and the PMRs are going to have heart plus 15% 15% organ in it. And he mm-hmm. said, So I'm confused. Why, you know, and I I swear Brian would like to be writing notes and putting in the people's,
0: you know, <laughs> shipment.
1: Hello, where recommend- are your organs? <laughs> we would recommend that you, you know, or he'll see somebody that feeds the same thing over and over again. And he's like, I wish I just had a little note. I could just say, Hey, have you ever thought about doing variety? So Yeah. It's sort of like a big brother, you know, we're kind of, you know, we can see what's happening, but it does make it easy when people call us, right. And they might be having an issue. It's pretty easy for us to determine, uh, what's going on. Just like when you said my dog's not eating and and we're like, well, can you see the, the ribs or the hip bones? No, we can't. So we always know that something else is being fed. Right. Mm-hmm. Because there's no way that if and and what happened with this customer yesterday who said, I'm only feeding two inches of the roll. But prior to her saying that, I said, well, what does your dog's body look like? Does it can you see ribs or hip bones? No, it looks great. And I'm like, but she was saying my dog's got, you know, yeasty ears and that ye- de- 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 and, de- de- and de- kind of blaming the chicken. And I get it. If you feed chicken, 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 it's high in omega 6, right? Also, could be an issue with vaccines with chicken, you know, uh, uh, protein in there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But quite uh, possibly, it's that uh, if you're only feeding a little bit of food and your dog has yeast and the body is in good shape, there's something else going in the body yeah, that's probably, yeah. you know, so, I think that people think that, that we're very smart, but it's just common sense sometimes. We're just like, hmm, something and, going and on here.
0: Yeah. Sometimes I have to ask it a couple different times, a couple different ways. Like, how about dental? Cho- dental chews are a big one because right. I, I think people either don't want to fess up or kind of just forget. Like, oh, yeah, I, uh, we do that greeny every night. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't do that. Don't feed anything molded into a green toothbrush um not not good for your not good for your pets. So sometimes I think people like so they don't think of that as a treat. That's dental health, you know. So you have to ask different ways, are you sure there's nothing else? And I've learned to ask about the dental treats because that's very common. Um, They're very commonly fed because people would rather do that than brush their pets' teeth. Um, So yeah, you know, it's it's pretty common sense. I mean there is a point where if you're feeding, you know 25% 25% of what the dog should be eating and they're not losing weight, then something else going to the dog. Right. It's just impossible to not. And the other culprit is
1: if if your dog's going to grandma's for the day, yeah. <laughs> they just well, to feed your dog other stuff.
0: Do you have kids? I mean, come on, kids are gonna sneak snacks. They don't want to eat their, you know, whatever's on their plate. They're, you know, giving it toddlers. I mean, and you can't prevent that, but Sometimes that doesn't get, you know, figured into the equation.
1: Right. All right. So the last question I have for you today is I get this question uh, back to let's let's look at cancer patients, but I get this just from other people. Um, They want to know if they can cook the food. How safe is it to cook the food, especially those blends that have bones in it? Now, most of our blends, unless it says boneless. Is going to have bone, ground up bone, in it. But I want to ask you, uh, what what advice would you give folks if they want to cook the food?
0: Well, I don't. I tell people no, no cooked bone ever. But you know, hard cooked. But there's a, there's this intermediate. So the first thing I ask is, well, are you warming the food? Well, and I guess the first thing I'd ask is, why do you want to be cooking the food? Right. I mean, usually That's, it's because right. the either it's because the pet isn't eating it or because the people are a little weirded out by feeding raw or they feel like it's not safe or they have somebody, you know, compromised in the home or they have small children or their doctor told them whatever the reason is that, that is it a safety factor? So kind of figure out what's the reason why they want to cook the food. If it's because the dog isn't eating it well, you know, a lot of times warming it will just make all the difference in the world. And in that hot water will sometimes even just Change the color of the meat, just a, just a right. little bit, but you're not hard cooking the bone doing that. Um, and if people just insist that they have to do cooked, then I would say go with a boneless blend, and um, at least that would have the organs in. But then you have to supplement the the minerals with a you know mineral mineral you know a, a powdered mineral supplement of some sort.
1: Yeah, it's it's that that's exactly. Uh what I'm always looking at is why, why, why are we cooking it? And, and so the question was, well, uh, my, my dog has gastrointestinal lymphoma. Okay. And my vet said that we need to, um, you know, cook the food. And I said, okay, so let me just understand this, that your dog is having gastrointestinal issues, vomiting, diarrhea, that sort of thing, right? Along with lymphoma. And she said yes. And I said, um, and, and so your vet is okay with cooked bones for a dog who's already having issues?
0: Mm-hmm. Clearly, the vet doesn't know what to talk what he's what he or she is talking about. <laughs> I was or like, they don't realize that there's bone in there. And I'd also ask, why did the vet recommend that? What was their reason? Because a lot of times there is no reason. The vets just pull stuff out of their butts sometimes, you know, like, yeah. that, like that sounds better. Well, I, let's see, I've heard this stuff about raw, maybe having bacteria or having things in it that, you know, could be, you know, dangerous or bad. So maybe cooking it would be better. I mean, at least they didn't tell them to stop feeding raw. I mean, usually they're selling a a prescription diet, but I would ask that person to go back to their vet and say, why did they recommend that? Because as you're saying, it doesn't really make any sense. And there's no contraindication to feeding raw to any cancer patient, in in my opinion, Um, even if, you know, they are on chemo or something. And this one thing that oncologists will tell people, well, you can't feed raw to um, patients getting chemotherapy because they're wiping out their white blood cells. Well, how about if we just don't wipe out the white blood cells in the first place, but no, can't do that. Makes, too- makes, makes, <laughs> makes, makes sense to me. Um, but I would again, go back to asking the why, why are they, you know, recommending that? Because it's just something that they said because they thought it sounded good and there was really no reason because that, inf- that kind of stuff comes out of the veterinary profession all the time where vets recommend things that don't make any sense. And if they're questioned, they don't have a reason. They just thought it sounded good. Like, oh, i just say this because I feel like I should say something. So they just pull something out of their sphincter and say that. Thank you for saying (laughs) that sphincter. (laughs) I just have to. (laughs) The
1: sphincter effect. Uh, The, the, uh, I said, she said, well, she believes that it would make it more digestible for her. And I said, okay, but does she realize that when you cook food, okay, again, what level are we talking about? Warming or cooking? When we cook the food, it does change the digestive enzymes. It changes the composition. Um, That is not more digestible than raw. Raw is the most bioavailable and most digestible food. So there's this concept that cooked food is more digestible than raw. Okay. And the other thing is if we're having loose poops and we're We're going to cook it and we're going to cook a boneless blend. a boneless blend. Mm -hmm. We're probably going to have even looser poops.
0: Right. Because there's no bone in it.
1: Right. I was just like, this is all a little bit backwards. And I think that there's part of the conversation that's missing. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Right. Um, So I don't know what, what is, why is it called gastrointestinal lymphoma other than just lymphoma?
0: Because that's where it's, that's where it's, it's growing in the body. or That's where it's affecting the body. Lymphoma can affect anywhere in the body. I mean, it, yeah, it causes the lymph nodes, like the peripheral lymph nodes to enlarge, but um, it can also be completely internal, just affect the internal organs, especially the spleen, liver, or see spleen and liver enlargement sometimes. Um, and if it's, it can actually, cause there's a lot of lymphatic tissue, you know, you hear it said that the, the, a lot of the immune system is in the uh, gastrointestinal tract. Well, there's a lot of the, um, lymphocytes in there. And so lymphoma can affect that. And so the intestines just are sort of perpetually inflamed. So it's very inflamed. So we want a food that's not inflammatory. Well, what's less inflammatory than a raw diet, like nothing, like you said, you just start to cook it. You start to denature proteins, um, and, and make it, you know, for a dog, make it, make it harder to, to digest. So, I mean, even, even with a a case like that, and those are tough because Mm -hmm. they don't feel good. They don't want to eat. They sometimes have chronic vomiting and diarrhea. So it's tricky, but, I take the approach, not of changing the diet, but of adding in uh, more support. Maybe that's a pet that would benefit from some additional enzymes, you know, but, but the key is, and then there's, I have Chinese herbal blends that I use that are designed to help stimulate proper digestion. That's what warming the food does too. It, it helps um, get that, get the gastric, that the acid and everything being produced in the stomach cold, when cold hits the stomach, it actually kind of shuts down some of that acid production that it's not natural. You know, think again about pets out in the wild there, the elk in sitting in the refrigerator, when they, when the wolves take it down, you know, it's at body temperature or it's at whatever the ambient temperature is. So when that, when something warm hits the stomach, it actually stimulates that that digestion. So I try to support normal digestion as, as much as possible and support the gut and support. Cause I, I, I always take the approach of we have to, we have to have the gut working optimally. If I start working with a cancer patient, I don't care where the cancer is and that pet isn't eating or has diarrhea, or we've got, you know, gastrointestinal signs, we start there. And that's what I tell people. We got to get that gut healthy. We got to get them eating, because we're not going to accomplish anything by just going after the cancer if we don't have the gut healthy. And so we, you have to support, um, you have to support the gut health, but most people don't think about it that way. They think, well, we just need to change, change the diet, but no, we need to sometimes, sometimes the body needs a little help, especially if you have a intestinal type of cancer.
1: Yeah. I, I would imagine that that would be very hard because what else are you going to feed and for any dog, you know, when we look at it, any dog that is compromised in any way, it's like, what else would you feed but raw It, it from the way I look at it, right? Because you can't do highly processed foods, mm-hmm. right? We're just further assaulting the body. You can't do, I mean, you could do, I guess, cooked foods, but then you have to add in stuff to give it some sort of nutritional value. So the way that I look at it is, why? what else are you going to feed a dog that has cancer, that has Addison's, that has uh, lymphoma? It, it's really tough. Um, and I, I don't know where that line comes, Dr. Jacek, where you say, well, just give them anything. This is what the traditional human side says for people mm-hmm. who have cancer eat anything you want just to gain weight yeah and it's like but isn't that counterintuitive to i'm going through chemo right to kill the cancer cells but eat anything i want so that i can gain weight
0: that feeds the cancer cells what the heck? right right, right. And it's usually all sugary stuff yeah milk milkshakes and Cake and ice cream and anything super high in calories because they're just thinking about the weight part. But yeah, not not healthy nutrition. Yeah, I mean, I, I I do some. I mean, sometimes it can be really challenging to get cancer patients to eat. And I will sometimes tell people just keep them interested in food um, mm-hmm. because they do. They make these associations. Like they eat something on a day they don't feel good, they don't want to eat that again because they just remember not feeling good. And that's a real challenge. But I tell people but stick with animal products. if right. For some reason, now this is not a, a general recommendation, but we get desperate sometimes. Um, these rotisserie chickens that you can go and buy at the store, for some reason, dogs tend to really like those. Um, so just do a couple meals with that. Just, sure. just keep them interested because we have to keep them interested in eating because they lose interest in food, they're going to die you know, we have to keep them eating. And then, you know, you start working back in some of, you know, some of the other foods, but these are in the toughest of the, of the cancer cases. These are not, you know, average recommendations or a place where, um, where I would start, but sometimes, you know, we do have to make concessions, but for God's sake, don't go back to the kibble or the overly, you know, processed foods. I, I just don't ever recommend that even if they'll eat it. And sometimes they will like, they won't. I mean, I've, I've had clients that I really believe that they, if they cook anything, they're up in the wee hours in the morning, trying to figure out what their, what their pet will eat. And like, yeah, but they'll eat kibble, but I eh, don't go there. They're better off, you know, continuing to try or try the variety or try something else.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's tough. And we, and we do
1: feel for those pet parents. It, it gets hard. Gets really hard at the end stages, for sure.
0: Yeah, and that is usually end stage. You know, we can't keep a patient eating. Um, We're we're usually getting end stage. We're we're starting to get to get to hospice, and then you know there is a point where you say, okay, go buy him rotisserie chicken. But that's not something I would recommend for an, an otherwise, you know, healthy pet, or even in early stages. Of cancer. Most pets will continue to eat quite well until they get closer to the end.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can work with Dr. Judy Jasek. It's super simple. You just go over to ahavet.com, ahavet.com. Her team will get with you uh, and you can see if you're a fit, right? Well, mm-hmm. we're going to see if you're a fit for Dr. Jasek because uh, today she is on the holistic path. And if you want to go holistic, then Dr. Jasic is your gal. Hardcore,
0: hardcore, hardcore, holistic. Right? Not just, not just dipping the toe in the holistic. Hardcore holistic. H C
1: H. Hardcore holistic. <laughs> 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 right? Because I mean, seriously, it is uh, beating your head against the wall, right? And and nobody wants to feel like they're a failure. And so, you know, it's like, let's, let's don't go down that path of doing this and then doing, it's gets so confusing and it gets really expensive if you're doing both sides.
0: Yeah. I can't, and I, how's that and it's not good. And it's not good for the pets. You know, like I'm looking at, you know, what's, what's best for the pets. And I think my frustration is like, well, I can't help pets if on this end, if they're being poisoned on this end with diet or drugs or, you know. Things like that. So I I really want to work with people that are interested in going holistic all the way. And um, you know, that's that's how I'm angling the practice. It is just like you said, it's so frustrating because you just can't really help help the pets. And that's what I'm in this for. You know, I'm not in it to, I mean, you know, we're all in, we're all in, we're all in business, but we're not. We're not becoming wealthy doing this, you know. I wanna, I wanna help the pets. And I just get frustrated. Um, when I like, for example, I was talking to a client last week, you know, um, her, her frustrated because her dog's itchy skin had I've been working with this client for years. Frustrated, dog's itchy skin flared it up. Well, what's been going? I had not talked to her a few months. What's been going on? Well. Let's see. We had a lepto vaccine in July. We had uh, Semperico. This is in Colorado, no less. We're still giving tick. She had the year long heartworm injection. For God's sakes, don't give your dog something that lasts a year. You can't take it out of their bodies. You know, they're going to, if they don't, if they react to that, you can't take it back for a whole year. So she's doing all this stuff and she's wondering why the dog's itching. Like, Oh, I know why your dog is itching. And now we got to detox it. So like, it, then the dog was doing better. And I was like, I just don't know what happened. Well, I just get so scared. And the vet tells me I need to do all this stuff. Like, quit listening to those gum veterinarians and and do what you know is is right for your pet.
1: That's <laughs> not a German Shepherd, is it? That you're talking? No. Okay. Because <laughs> so I know a German Shepherd just like that. I'm <laughs> like, oh, yes, I know. Um, the itching thing, guys, think about it. Like what you said earlier, Dr. Jasic. um, when the body is trying to get something out or when the body is reacting to something, you know, that's been injected into it, I don't know why the itching doesn't come up in, in the folks' minds. It's like, yeah, it's, 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 we see it all the time.
0: Yeah. And the food gets blamed. Then they go and run to the, get the allergy test that don't do any good, but they're not addressing the underlying problem, which is toxicity. This The skin is actually has the largest surface area of any organ in the body. So it makes sense. If the body's trying to eliminate something, it's going to try to push it out that way, or it's one of the ways. Um, they might try to poop it out, but they can also try to detox through the skin. And then that translates into skin inflammation. And then the conventional methods are, well, you do the Cytopoint or the apical and just suppress the symptoms. And then in a few years on down the road, you you'll be treating cancer. Um, so you got to let that process happen, but support the body. So then in, the, in a case like this, then we change gears. We're doing more detoxification. We're helping to support the liver, Um, while trying to keep the dog, you know, dog comfortable, but it's, it's then becomes a whole different thing. And, you know, that the dog was doing better. And, you know, I, I really think some dogs just get to the point that you can't improve it. You've messed up their body so much and so many times that sometimes they, it's just really hard to get that itchy skin to under control.
1: Yeah. I mean, I look at these dogs with all of these skin tags, the itchy skin, the chronic inflammation. And then, you know, I look at the other dogs, there are other dogs that are 15, you know, 14, 15 don't have any skin tags, don't have any allergies, and you have to say, what is the difference? What is the the absolute difference in these in these dogs? And you could look at people the same way. That question is not being asked, and I would ask that question. Why what is the difference in my unhealthy dog versus this healthy dog over here that someone has. I would always ask that question because I want to do whatever they're doing, right? Right. What are you doing? What are you not doing? (laughs) Right? Right. Right, Because that's what I want.
0: Sometimes it's more about doing, doing fewer things. Don't put the, don't put the chemicals in their body. And of course, the, of course, the diet is important, but as you know, we, we work with a lot of people that have done the diet change and we still have itchy skin. Right. And so what's going on there? Well, what's the vaccine history and a lot of itchy skin cases I work with, the dogs have already been on multiple courses of Apoquil and those are tough. I mean, you've got months of work to, um, to get that skin calmed down and get the immune system straightened out and, um, we need to get that webinar out there on it. Skin. <laughs>
1: so absolutely. <reminding> me. <laughs> absolutely. I can remember this reminds me of. I, I remember um, a customer was so angry with me. And he said, you know, you just can't admit that it could be your food. He said, but you just want to blame Western medicine. You want to blame the antibiotics. You want to blame the vaccines. You know, you want to blame that. And I said, absolutely because it doesn't make sense. got it. (laughs) You, 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 you're onto me, uh, (laughs) said, I, how can you blame a food, right? How can you blame just
0: real food, right? Meat bones, organ and fat.
1: And we see
0: how many pets do well on it. I mean, it's not like, I don't, I didn't start recommending raw food because it was making my patients sicker, I started <laughs> recommending it cuz I'm like, wow, look at this. They are so healthy. And then I had people coming in. And when I first started learning more about raw, I was attracting clients that fed raw because I wasn't beating them up and I was learning from them like how, you know, how are you feeding? Tell me what you're doing, you know? So I started learning more and more about it. Um, that way. But the bottom line is the pets were doing fantastic. And yeah, we have, you know, some cases that need some more work, but the majority of the time, pets just do a 180. And I mean, I hear that all the time. You know, we probably don't talk about that enough because we're always talking about the problem cases. But, you know, most people will say, Oh my God, my dog has never loved eating so much. Their coat is better, they have more energy, they feel so good, they just They're just do so well on the food. I even have, um, you know, my cancer clients will tell me that, you know, even if, you know, the cancer is still an issue, I've heard people say, but, you know, my pet still feels better. Like that food, they're just doing better. They have more energy, their coat's better. They are, even though they have cancer still, they're healthier in so many other ways. And I hear that all the time. So if this food was so terrible for them you know, we, we wouldn't be hearing that. So there's just no question in my mind that this is the, this is the best diet for any pet. Right. We asked Dr. Billinghurst this
1: question, Dr. Billinghurst, what type of dog cannot eat raw? And what do you think he said?
0: I would think he said there isn't any dog that can't eat raw.
1: Yeah. He said a dead dog.
0: Oh, dead dog. (laughs) That's a good one.
1: Right? Because, and, and, and we laughed because, you know, that's what we all think. It's like, why, why could an animal not eat what they are created to eat? That would be very cruel, right?
0: Right. And why do we, and why do we not feed it when they're sick? Like that's the most important time. And, and, you know, of course there's these diseases, the pancreatitis and the, you know, kidney disease, or, oh, no, I gotta be on low protein and you can't feed these diets that are hundred percent protein, right? Like I hear that, that one all the time because meat's a hundred percent protein, right? <laughs> right? Just kidding people. Just kidding. that's <laughs> just, that's just the, that's just the narrative out there that, that I hear, but it's a species appropriate protein. So if your pet is having organ dysfunction, or has pancreatitis, or, um, you know, cancer or anything, it's the most important time to be feeding raw, not the time you got to be thinking, well, what if there's bacteria in it, you know, it's, it's a good quality product, then you you know, you're going to be fine. And it's exactly what your pet needs to eat. There is no, I, I can't think of any disease condition where I wouldn't I I wouldn't recommend raw. I've I've seen so many dogs that have come in with a history, quote unquote, history of pancreatitis, which I think is bogus these days. In a lot of cases, Mm -hmm. um, a dog vomits a couple of times, Oh, they got pancreatitis, got to be on a low fat diet for, you know, for the rest of her life. I've taken so many of those dogs and put them on raw food and they've just done great. And we got rid of the cause, which the cause or the processed carbohydrates, and the other crap in the commercial diet the pet was eating, that's what was causing the pancreatitis. I don't even think it's the fat. If it's healthy fat, you know, not your vegetable oil, your toxic fats in the um that are in the kibble diets, um, I don't think the fat's even an issue. It's it's the processed carbs and the in the vaccines and all the other medications. That's what, you know, sets off the um the pancreatitis or GI episodes, whatever is, whatever's going on with the pet. But I always try to get pets on raw, always, no matter what's going on with them.
1: Right. Which is another reason what you just said, you don't want to be cooking the fat, right? We don't want to be cooking the fat because it totally changes the composition of of raw fat, which you were just saying, raw animal fat is great, right? Mm -hmm. But when we cook it, it changes it. And for Pete's sakes, let's don't be giving any kind of bacon grease. Okay. No bacon grease. Uh, So don't be doing that. But um, yeah, get over to ahavet.com. Dr. Judy Jacek can Zoom with you. She can review medical history, review your charts, um, give you options. Also remember the cancer webinar is right there on the website for you to download and watch. It's going to cover nutrition for cancer patients, uh, Not and and, and, okay, nutrition for cancer patients, uh, typical treatments, and then alternative treatments and supplements. But what it also does is not just for those dogs who are already sick. It is for those folks who want to prevent their dogs from getting sick in the future. So there may be things that you haven't thought about. Um, Certainly you have Dr. Jacek who is telling you what she has seen over the decades that she's been treating pets. And uh, Mm -hmm. cancer is an epidemic. There are things that can push dogs right over the edge into cancer that you may not be aware of. So this is why you want to Download the cancer webinar part one, two, and three. It's in the educational webinar section. It is also in uh, the supplements section. Okay, download those. And then we're going to get that itchy dog webinar out to you guys soon.
0: Mm-hmm. As soon as Dr.
1: Jacek finishes sh- chopping all the wood.
0: Yeah, that's going to be an on- ongoing project. So I probably need to <laughs> <laughs> start working on the, on the itchy skin. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to the Raw Dog Food Truth. Remember, tell all your friends about this podcast. We give out so much information right here to help your dogs stay healthy and to help you be more confident in being, as Dr. Jasek would say, a champion for your pet. Okay. Mm -hmm. Got to be a champion for your pet.
0: So much you can do. You know, that's what the cancer webinar is all about, are things you can do yourself to keep your pet healthy and, or even address cancer. If your pet has a diagnosis, there's so much within your power that, that you can do. You're not, you're not helpless. Um, You know, be, be proactive and learn how to help your pet because you know your pet better than, better than anybody. And it's, it's also really rewarding to know that you are helping to keep your pet healthy rather than feeling guilty when your pet gets sick. And then you learn about all these things that you could have done differently. You don't want to feel that.
1: Right. And also I want to mention your Substack, putting out great information. You guys can subscribe to Dr. Jacek Substack. Dr. Jasek, what is that link to get on your Substack list? judyjacekdvm.substack.com Judy com, fabulous. I saw the last one was about chocolate, and so there's a lot of great information, guys. Uh, Halloween's coming up, so you want to get over and read Dr. Zick's Substack about chocolate. Okay, I actually
0: put on there exactly how you can calculate if your dog ate enough chocolate to be worried about it, and you know, I've seen a lot of people go running into the, you know, you know, it's it's holiday, so I did it. You know, lots of chocolate, going to be lots of sweets around, and all of that. And I've seen so many people, you know, the dog eats one piece of chocolate candy and they run them into the ER and the dog's sick for a week from all the treatments. So I wanted to put information out there so that you have a better idea of, you know, it did your pet, it actually, uh, you know, pet has to ingest a lot of chocolate and, and the concentrated chocolate for it to be really be truly toxic. So it'll help you figure out if you need to run to the ER, or if you can just manage it at home.
1: So. Well, my, my brother's lab, I remember last year at my mother's 80th birthday, we had these little mini, my, her sister had worked so hard on these little mini German chocolate cupcakes.
0: Mm. They
1: were 14 and, uh, we stepped out, came and back and there were none and then there were none. And <laughs> we were like, oh my. And, you know, I mean, she was fine. She didn't even have diarrhea. She never vomited. She didn't have diarrhea. She ate the paper. She ate the cupcakes. Yeah. My aunt was Probably a little enough. upset, but we were excited that she wasn't, you know, falling Probably over. Probably enough the-
0: other stuff. If there was flour and sugar and stuff in there, it dilutes out the chocolate quite a bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, there there must have been because she was perfectly
0: fine. <laughs> uh, but
1: anyway, okay, everybody, get over to rawdogfoodandcompany.com. Get your dog on a species-appropriate diet. You got to get them off the kibble, get them off the high sugary cooked foods. Um, we have so many different blends. We can figure out uh, what your pup gets jazzed about okay so uh don't go back to the kibble um what was his name i forgot uh the guy who's going to go back to kibble uh don't go back to kibble okay we can't we can't have that uh what, what the, barry barry, barry. barry. No, berry. Barry, don't go back to kibble, <laughs> Barry.
0: No, sit, stay. <laughs> stay, Barry. <laughs> stay with the raw, Barry. Sit and stay with the raw. That's right. All right,
1: everybody, we'll see you soon. Get over to rawdogfoodandcompany.com where your pet's health is our business. And what, Dr. Jacek? Friends don't live friends, feed kibble or fix kibble. That's right. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye, everybody. Oh, snap!